All right, let me talk to you for just a moment about one of the things that we all have and, uh, and kind of how to, how, to, how to handle it as you go through life. We call it trusting your instincts. Most people have received extensive training in the analytical skills, but little in the what we call intuitive skills. And so I want to try to show you how to pretty well get a grip on trusting your instincts. And so if you've got your pen, we'll fill in the blanks here today. We've only got three points here. And so number one is this. Follow your nature more than your nurture. Your nurture is what you've been taught that's in the book. Your nature is going to be what you just sense in your, in your gut. It's the, it's the hunch. We say Joyce Brothers says this, trust your hunches. They're usually based on facts filed away just below the conscious level. And that is absolutely right. Uh, some people are better at it than others. I think all of us can improve on it. But uh, there are many of you that you know that your hunch, your gut, your read was pretty clear. And then what you may have done is you rationalized or you justified or you didn't want to feel bad about judging someone or something. So you, what you did was is you kind of unplugged that wire so the alarm didn't go off. And, and, and yet you knew all along, I should have just listened. Many years ago, I was at a Disney management course and uh, the, some of the top executives there were telling about things. And, and you would think they're going to give you this high and lofty stuff, you know. And I'll never forget this guy that walked in. He said, let me tell you. He said, one of the things we learned a long time ago around here was 99% of the time, our first impression was right. And so I remember writing that down. And then years later, I heard where Oprah Winfrey talked about how that in her journey to success, that she said, 99% of the time, my first impression was right. And, and, and I believe that we can say that. Now, let's be you know, we'll talk about the 1% for a second. There are times that people have made a bad impression the first time. We all have. I have. You have. There are times that we say, ooh, I, I hope that one's not the one they, they get the perception of me back because I just stumbled. I tripped. It didn't go well, okay? But, but the, we, I think that 99% of the time we do get a good read. We, we read that that person maybe is a little nervous or that person maybe is, is a, a little overzealous, but there's certain things that will come up that I think you ought to always be cautious of. Character things may come up. You know, if, if, if there's, and I've always said, if there's a red flag, you don't have to ask why. Just know that there's a red flag. And at that point, that ought to make you a little apprehensive to go any further. And, and I think that in my life, where I've messed up before is, I've oftentimes, my hunch, my gut, my read told me this. But I, I wanted to be a nice person. I didn't want to be judgmental. I didn't want to be harsh. I wanted to give the second benefit. And I doubted myself. And when I doubted myself, I came back later and said, if I had only listened. i never forget one time a friend of mine and I were riding down the road in Aiken, South Carolina at 2 a.m. in the morning. We were kind of lost. And he finally figured the way to go. And he's a real high-profile leader. And he, he, he doesn't have a problem just telling you what he thinks. Well, we're driving down the road. We're lost. And and I'm just tired of being lost. So I say, turn right. Just turn right. That's not the road. I say, just turn right. And so I'm arguing with him, and he's arguing with me. And he did what I said. He turned right, and we headed down this road, and then it was a dead end. Now, we're already lost. And I will never forget, today's a high executive over that home bank mortgage, but he stomped his brake, slammed his car in park. Now, it's already 2 a.m. in the morning. We're already tired and lost. 
And he looked straight at me, and the maddest he's ever been with me, he said, you made me doubt myself. Don't you ever do that again. And then he put his car back in, wheeled it around. We got on the road. And so as we got down the road, he cooled down. I said, how'd you go in, didn't I? He said, he said, you know what I hate? I hate when I know and somebody makes me doubt. And he don't realize that he helped me more then because you know how when you know and you know and you know, but somebody makes you doubt yourself and you hesitate and you wait and you don't trust your gut. And when you do, you say, if I'd only listened. And so I would encourage you to pay a little more attention, especially if you've been in the street longer. Now, if you've never been in the street and you've just always been in school and you've never got out there in the, in the world, you may have to take a while to hone that skill. But if you were raised, I was raised out there. I wasn't raised in the church business. So I was raised out there to be a good reader of people pretty quick. And, and it's almost scary. If you knew what I knew, you wouldn't sit in front of me because I can just about read people so quick. I can tell you who's dealing with pornography, who's fighting with a wife, who over here is thinking bad, who's thinking good. And that's freaky. And I don't even like myself. So I don't trust my guts on those kind of things a lot because I say I don't even want to think about it because I'd rather not know. Gene Boyd will come to my counselor sometime, you know, Pastor, you need to help this guy. He's a good old guy. And I said, the guy's addicted to this kind of pornography. No, no. And then two weeks later, Pastor, you know, he was. I had to know that, Pastor. It's just written all over him. It's tattooed. So I have to be careful about that. But I do believe for everybody, your instincts will tell you a lot. Be, be very, very cautious about it. Um, the uh, the number, number two, question the way that things have always been done. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, the, the illustration of this is when uh, Jean-Claude Kelly, the, uh, the French national skier, uh, was on this team. And for years, he kept trying to do what others were doing and practice just as hard. But he yet wound up, he didn't really increase his timing. Then he decided he would try some things differently. He started experimenting a little bit instead of just going by what others were doing. And, uh, and what he would do is he would sit back on his skis or uh, he would spread his legs to get more balance. And he wound up after that just, uh, just blowing away all of his competition. In fact, in 67 and 60, uh, 66, he won almost every major skiing trophy. The next year he won three gold medals. And, uh, and, and here's a guy who decided instead of doing what everybody else is doing, I'm going to question and I'm going to do it a different way. Now, the question behind that is always this. If I'm trusting my instincts, number one is, I'll, obviously we say follow your nature. The second is, ask, and we put question the way they've been done, ask the why questions. You know, why are we doing what we're doing the way we're doing it? Why is this the best way to do this? And, and learn how to, how to ask those questions. A lot of people just come into a job or come into their life and they, it's always been done this way, so they just keep doing it that way. And they never change. And they don't realize that if they never change, that there could be a lot easier way to get from point A to point B than what they're doing, but they're still doing it by habit. And I bet you in your job today, there's probably a better way to do some of the things you've got and free you for more time if you had a different set of eyes to look at it and to say, here's what you're doing, try this. John Luce told me that illustration many, many years ago about, about the, uh, the lady who she was prepared a ham for her husband and it was about Thanksgiving time, prepared the ham. And the ham, half of it was cut off. I mean, it was like a five-pound ham. And he said, what in the world have you done to the ham? I mean, I bought a 12-pound ham. You cut it down to five pounds. What would you do with the rest? He said, I, don't, I cut it and threw it away. He said, why would you do that? He said, well, that's the way my mama cooked ham. So when he saw the mom, he said, why in the world do you cut all the ham off? He said, well, I don't know, but I, that's the way I've always cooked it. My mama cooked it that way. 
So he sat down with the grandmother at Thanksgiving and said, look, he said, I'm buying her 12-pound ham. She's cutting off seven pounds of them. I'm getting me about a five-pound ham here. What, what is the problem? Why, why do you do that? And the grandmother said, I don't know why my daughter and granddaughter do it, but I had a small oven. That's the only size it fit in. <laughs> but what happened was his parent and, and granddaughter had just watched what they did and did it the same way. You know, didn't ask why, never discovered that there may be a better way. And sometimes we do things by habit that we have never done, uh, that, that, we, that we, we keep doing and we never ask why. I remember many years ago when we had hired a new guy from Atlanta and uh, he had worked on our staff and he showed me kind of a shortcut way to the office from a place I'd been before. And I said, I never knew this way existed. He said, really? And I said, no. And then it dawned on me. He never knew my way really existed because he's from Atlanta. He'd never been there before. So he just kind of found this way. And all these years, I'd been going the long way to get to where I was going out of habit when he was a guy that found a new way because he simply didn't accept status quo. So I think that one of the ways of trusting instincts is, is question those things. Number three, uh, have a positive self-image. Now, that's one of those things that's kind of the inside job. Uh, we, we say here the need to have others validate your idea before you believe in your idea undermines your confidence and your intuition and it does it in two ways. A, it prolongs the time it takes you to act. That is, when, it, when, you, when you get ready to act on something, if you don't have a good self-image, you'll wait to make sure everybody's on board before you act. And so you need to, you, you need to understand a good self-image is going to be the key to, to taking action. And the second thing under B is it lessens your effectiveness as a leader. The leader is the person who ought to be able to step out in front. But sometimes we wonder who the leader is because the leader is so afraid to go without everybody's approval. So a good self-image is going to be the part that says, listen, I believe that my gut tells me, my instinct tells me, it seems like this is lined up, and this is the right time to make this particular decision, so I'm going to step out. I have to be honest with you, and while we, whether we, we're Republicans, Democrats, Independents, or whatever, not promoting the party, but I like the fact that we had, they may call him a cowboy president, but remember when the UN was not sure whether to go in or not to go in or whatever? At least we had a president that said, okay, there comes a time we can sit here and talk about it or we can act. And today, Saddam Hussein, the, the madman of the 20th century, is uh, sitting today in a cell because somebody acted. And there's a Muslim doctor that's a member of our church that has become a believer now and says, if you only knew what it was like to have been raised over there, she said the whole world should have stood up and applauded the day that we captured that man because she lived there. She knew what they, they faced. And so fortunately, we had a leader that at that time said, we can debate it forever or we can go, uh, go act. A good self-image allows you to say, it's time to take action. You know, appreciate this, a good idea, but we've got to make something happen here. Otherwise, it's just a good plan, good thoughts, and all the rest. And, uh, and so I believe that good, good leaders with their self-image like that understand that they have to take risk. And, uh, and, and so with the instinct deal... I think the good part about instinct, instinct is a lot like a sixth sense. It's that part of you that says, I just know it's the right time. I can't explain everything. I know it's the right thing to do at the right time, and this is the way I read it. So let's act on that. And, and if you can hone that skill, and my hope is that every one of you today walk out today with the idea that I'm going to listen more to my instincts because if I do that, I will get smarter, sharper, be more in touch, 
and I'll probably make more progress and I'll create in me and develop that sixth sense that's beyond the ability of just seeing, feeling, touching, tasting. I'll create the ability to know how to make the right decision at the right time. And so those kind of people instinctively act and they excel. Uh, I mentioned here in the closing there, according to uh, his interviews with more than 10,000 executives, Weston Agor, a PhD and former management professor at the University of Texas, El Paso, has found, and here's his quote, the higher the level of leadership, the higher the raw ability to provide solutions, and the more reliance is placed on intuition. I, I say this in the closing part of that. I don't think there's a big gap between people that have talent, skill, ability, and all that that's right up under the high leader. I don't think there's a big gap. I think if you laid them out and put their resumes all in front, you wouldn't see the difference. I think the difference is found in the intuitive, instinctive ability of the one at the top. I think that's the part that separates them from the rest of the pack. And so if we value that, we can start saying, I want to learn how to go by my hunch. Uh, I, you know, we all do it. I remember one time dealing with a car salesman, and a guy was talking to me. And when he was talking to me, and this was in the early days. Now, my wife is used to it now. But he was telling me this, and I said, you're not being truthful, are you? And the guy was saying, oh, yeah. And I, no, 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 no. You're not telling me the truth, are you? If I gave you the money right now, well, you couldn't find that car in your lot that you're trying to tell me you've got, right? And then finally he said, well, no, I don't have it, but I could get it, da-da-da. And, and I'm telling you, if you can hone that skill where you know this is the right time. If I act now, I've got it. This is the right time to close the sale. This is the right time or the right moment to offer that product. If you can hone that skill and focus on that one, it will take you further than everybody else who's got equal ability in all the other areas of your life. And so trust your gut. I'm going to believe this. Most of you in this room, you have good instincts. You may have been doubting yourself or afraid to act on it. You may have been telling yourself, I'm not sure too long. And, and if you will stop listening to all of the doubts and stop trying to be like everybody else and get their approval and just do what you know in your heart is there. I promise you, you'll see a value and a benefit come out of it. And so the difference between the average and the one that gets there is the one that I think hones that skill. Thanks so much for being with us today. And Catherine's going to come and wrap us up here with some giveaways today. Great.